Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I'm so glad you're back with me. We're going to be talking a lot more about hormones in the next few weeks, and I am really, really excited about it. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to take just a second and apologize for the audio issues, uh, especially those issues in the past three episodes. I was traveling and recording in weird places, and it just wasn't what I hoped that it would be. And so to everybody that reached out, thank you so much for your feedback. Um, I am a one woman show over here. And so the technical stuff is sometimes a little bit beyond my skill set, but I never want the show um, to be distracting or annoying. And so hopefully we're working those issues out. And hopefully this episode is a little bit better in terms of the sound quality. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for sticking with me. I totally know that if you listen to something that you don't like. You don't ever have to come back. And so I'm glad that you did. And I'm really grateful for your patience. And hopefully we're we're on the way to fixing things. So enough about that. Let's talk about hormones. I've been getting a lot of questions about hormones lately. And I realized that I haven't done sort of a hormone series of episodes since episodes 11 through 14 of the show. And we now, between the minisodes and the Q&As, we now have... A, well over 200 episodes. And so I figured it is far time to touch on hormones again, to do a series of episodes on how hormones impact fat loss and how we can take control of our hormones and improve our fat loss with a series of diet and lifestyle modifications. And there are lots and lots of hormones that that we have to kind of think about, but there are undeniably some hormones that have a bigger impact on fat loss than others, and those are the ones I want to focus on today. Like I said, we're going to be talking more about hormones, especially uh, on the VIP email list and on the blog, but also in the podcast. So I want to focus on a few of them today, tell you how they work, talk about them in a little bit of a different way than what we've done before, share with you what happens when they're out of whack, what it feels like, what it means to our body, and most importantly, what we can do to make a difference. And the first thing that I want everybody to really understand, you know, when we talk about hormonal imbalances or hormonal dysregulation, a lot of people panic because they think that's just what happens when you get older or there's no easy way to fix it or it's going to require, you know, doctor's visits. And that is just not true. Now, it might be related to your age and it might be something that you need medical help with. But please understand that hormonal balance is largely within our control, largely within our kitchen, because the number one most significant, most powerful influencer of our hormones is our food choices. 
Seriously, we have a tremendous amount of power to transform our health. Baking, based on baking, not baking, nothing baking is going to help your hormones, but based on taking control of the impact that our food has on our hormones, all right? And our lifestyle also impacts our hormones. We will talk about that a little bit today, but we're going to really focus primarily on the food. And I'm going to talk about three hormones today. I'm going to talk about leptin, I'm going to talk about cortisol, and I'm going to talk about insulin. Yes, there are more, and we will be talking about them, things like progesterone, estrogen, ghrelin, testosterone, your thyroid hormones, et cetera, et cetera. But we want to establish today the big dog players and really hit the highlights, the things you need to know, right, and the things that you are going to be able to most easily influence, the things that if you adjust are going to have the highest degree of impact on your energy, on your mood, and on your fat loss. And I know I've talked a lot on this show about insulin, and I've also talked a lot on the show about cortisol. I'm not going to lead with those. I'm going to lead with leptin, and I'm going to take a slightly different approach when we get to cortisol and insulin to sort of paint this integrated picture of how these three fat loss hormones, leptin, cortisol, and insulin, work together, all right? I've talked... I used to have, some of you have emailed me about it, I used to have a hormones and fat loss ebook. I took it down because I had a lot of PDFs and I had a lot of ebooks and I think people were kind of confused about, well, should I get this or should I get that? And I really feel like breaking barriers is what's most high impact for most people. So I took the other stuff down, but um, not because it's not good, but because I felt like I really wanted people to focus on what was going to have the highest impact, which for the majority is breaking barriers. Um, so that's why it's no longer there. However, over the next few weeks, I will be emailing out new and improved parts of that hormones and fat loss ebook to the folks who are on my VIP email list. Um, that's going to happen over the next few weeks. So if you are not on it, and you want to know more about the role of hormones and fat loss, and you want to get some cheat sheets and some printable stuff to help you navigate this stuff, you can get on the VIP list by going to primalpotential.com forward slash join, or by texting the word primal, P-R-I-M-A-L, to the number 44222. So you got a couple options there, and you've got a couple of days uh, to get on the list before I start sending out some of this information to the VIP list. Because there's going to be kind of a little bit of fat loss schooling and the hormonal perspective happening over on that email list, which I'm really excited about in the next coming weeks because it's a, what a lot of people are asking about. And so as you guys know, when you ask questions, I want to give you answers. All right, let's talk about leptin. Leptin is a hormone. That's what we're talking about today. And here's what you might not realize about the hormone leptin. Leptin is actually secreted by your fat cells. Just right there, just the fact that leptin is secreted by your fat cells tells us that this is kind of an important part of the fat loss equation, right? Like this is kind of a big player in the hormonal game if your fat cells themselves are producing and secreting a hormone, right? We've got to get leptin working in our favor if we want to make progress towards our goals. If leptin goes rogue, we are in trouble. And a lot of us are in that trouble. And we're going to talk about how we can kind of get things back in control and working in our favor. So leptin's job, this hormone secreted by your body fat cells, its job is to maintain communication between your fat cells and your brain, right? Between your body fat storage and your brain. 
Its whole job, its entire intention, is to keep us in this safe zone between starving and getting fat. Seriously, we can imagine leptin as a fuel gauge, right? That's typically how it's described. That's how I describe it in that hormone ebook for those of you that got your hands on that. But leptin is letting your brain know if you have enough body fat or you don't have enough or you have too much so that your brain can regulate your appetite accordingly, okay? When everything is working as it should, when you're healthy and hormonally balanced, leptin is keeping watch on your body fat, and if you don't have enough stored fat, it's going to tell the brain to increase your appetite and slow down your metabolic rate. As your body fat storage increases, your body fat cells produce more leptin, and that tells the brain, all right, we're good here. Dial down the appetite because we don't need any more. And while you're at it, increase the metabolic rate just a touch, right? So in a perfect healthy body, leptin is our built-in mechanism that keeps us healthy and at a healthy weight and prevents us from either becoming emaciated and significantly underweight or becoming overweight or obese. But obviously... Based on the percentage of people who are overweight or obese, something isn't working quite right between leptin and our brains. When we start to put on excess body fat, our appetite should get turned down, right? When your fat gets too low, when your body fat percentage gets too low, your appetite should get turned up. But there are two primary things that are messing with our body's leptin signaling. The first one is eating processed and high-carbohydrate diets, okay? Because when we eat this way, we overstimulate the hormone insulin, and we become insulin resistant, and this insulin resistance and leptin resistance go hand in hand. And so when we consume diets that are high in processed foods or high in carbohydrates, not only is our body more resistant to insulin, and so we can't process insulin effectively, we can't respond to it efficiently, and all of our hormones work as part of this integrated network. They're all tied together, communicating and working synergistically. So if, if insulin is not regulated, if insulin is not being handled properly by the body, if we are insulin resistant, we are often also leptin resistant, which means our fat cells are producing leptin, but the brain can't heal the message. And so our appetite and our metabolism don't get regulated properly. Our metabolism should be going up and our appetite should be going down, but that's not what happens because the brain becomes resistant or immune to the signaling of leptin. And this is why so many people feel like they have an insatiable appetite. This is why so many people feel like they have a slow metabolism because Maybe you do because of this leptin dysregulation. That is what that is. This appetite that never really gets triggered quite correctly and this metabolism that is, that is impaired, that is suppressed. The other thing that is really common that screws with our leptin signaling is crash dieting. When we dramatically lower what we eat, when we dramatically cut calories, leptin secretion is suppressed 
And so the body gets kind of confused because there's body fat, but there's not enough energy coming in, and there was a lot of leptin, and now there's dramatically a whole lot less leptin, right? And so your leptin levels drop off, you get more hungry, your metabolism slows down, and this is why we see so much rebound weight gain, okay? Your leptin falls quickly and your metabolism falls with it while your brain compensates by increasing your appetite. We are producing so much leptin when we're overweight. If we're eating these, these standard American diets, processed foods, not managing our blood sugar, if we're insulin resistant, and the biggest issue doesn't come from crash dieting because most people don't stay on the crash diets for very long. You know, we, we have that sort of rebound effect. The bigger issue is the overproduction of leptin because of our high levels of body fat. The more body fat you have, the more leptin you have, which you might think, well, if leptin tells my body there's plenty of fat, but remember, when there's so much leptin, your brain stops hearing that messaging. It's kind of like if you have a radiator in your home that's always humming, you kind of stop hearing it. You don't notice it. You adjust everything else because that baseline level of noise is your normal. So you turn up your TV a little bit louder. You talk a little bit louder. You don't even notice the hum of the radiator. That is what your brain does when leptin is chronically high. It doesn't even notice, and so you don't get that signal to turn up your metabolic rate. You don't get that signal to turn down your appetite, which might make you feel like you're screwed, but we're not. There's a lot that we can do to get our brain paying attention to those leptin signals to get our body producing the right amount of leptin and increasing our brain sensitivity to it. And we're going to talk about those strategies after we touch a little bit on cortisol and insulin. And we've talked about both of those on those podcasts, but I want to kind of take a different approach today, and then we'll, we will, in future episodes, be talking about the other hormones, like the thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones, other than cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, your sex hormones, and then ghrelin, hunger hormones, and things like that. We will get there, I promise. But for now, let's talk a little bit about cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone released by your adrenal glands in response to stress. Now, we typically think of stress as like, work deadline or fight with the spouse, but stress can be physical stress caused by injury or illness or intense workouts. Stress can obviously be emotional stress, or it could be stress from dieting. If we are crash dieting, that is a physical stressor on the body. When we are not really fueling our bodies with respect and with care, with a right strategy, that is a stressor. You know, when we talked about The Biggest Loser a few weeks ago, you better believe that the dramatic decrease in what they were eating, the lack of focus on quality of foods, they really were only focused on really being low calorie, and then the intense duration of their workouts, that's an incredible stressor, and that causes a cortisol response in the body. Now, the role of cortisol is to prepare your body's fight or flight response, right? Your body senses this stressor. It doesn't know that you're just 
upset because you lost your keys. It doesn't know that you're upset because of a work deadline. It just gets the stress signal. It doesn't know that somebody's not chasing you with a gun. So the role of this cortisol release from your body is to prepare the fight or flight emergency response to protect you from danger. And it does this. It prepares your body's fight or flight response. It does this by bringing sugar into your bloodstream. It does this, brings sugar into the bloodstream to prepare your fight or flight response independent of what you have eaten. I want you guys to really understand this. Even if you are not eating sugar, even if you are following the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, even if you feel like I'm doing everything right, but your stress response isn't controlled, guess what? Your insulin is not controlled either. All right, because cortisol can bring sugar into the blood by breaking down your muscle glycogen, by breaking down your muscle tissue in general. It does not require you eating a Twinkie, but it sure as heck will increase your hunger and cravings so that you do eat a Twinkie, so that it makes it easier on the body because it's a whole lot easier to trigger hunger and cravings and have you eat a Twinkie than it is to hack into your muscle glycogen or your muscle tissue and break it down to generate glucose. But I want you to understand, this is where so many people feel frustrated. I'm doing everything right, but your stress response is out of control. Well, guess what? Your body is pumping sugar into your blood, causing an insulin response because your body is preparing you to deal with an emergency situation. It is getting you prepared for emergency by making sure there's sugar in your bloodstream so that you can escape the threat. And chances are you aren't being chased by a madman with a knife. You don't need that sugar in your blood. So what happens when your body doesn't have to run from danger, doesn't have to use that sugar for fuel? Well, it has to be stored. It has to be stored. You might not have even eaten anything, but your blood sugar went up because your, your cortisol levels made sure of it, and now you're converting it to fat and socking it away in your adipose tissue because you can't find your car keys. Not worth it. Not worth creating a stress response over these things. But that's not all that cortisol does, right? Now, let's, let's not beat up on cortisol entirely right now, let's understand that if there is a true emergency, if you wake up in the middle of the night and somebody is breaking into your house and you get that stress response and your heart's beating out of your chest, you want cortisol breaking down whatever it can to put sugar in your bloodstream because you might need to run, you might need to escape, or you might need to recover from a serious injury. That is a good thing. The problem is that we manufacture all of this unnecessary stress and so we have this constant stress response in our body on overdrive. Beyond that, though, it's not just a matter of blood sugar and insulin, right? Cortisol is going to accelerate body fat storage, especially in the abdominal or the central region of your body, and it's going to slow fat burning because it's saying, hey, we've got an emergency situation right now. We cannot afford to sacrifice any energy, and it's going to increase your appetite. It's going to increase your cravings. It's going to decrease your cognitive function for many reasons, but because it's redirecting blood flow to your limbs so that you can escape, right? It's not directing blood. It's diverting blood flow from your brain, from your digestive tract, so that you can escape danger or so that you can heal or recover or whatever it is. 
Cortisol also triggers inflammatory responses. It impairs your ability to sleep, either to fall asleep or to stay asleep or both. So I tell you this so that you understand the critical importance of stress management in fat loss. Much of the stress we experience is not from injury or illness or like serious, serious danger like being chased. It's stress we manufacture when we fight with our spouse. It's stress we manufacture when we can't find our keys. It's stress we manufacture day in and day out. And it's stress we eat. Certain foods, sugar, processed foods, toxins, they generate a stress response in the body. So this emotional stress we manufacture and this stress we eat, it's got to go. It's absolutely positively got to go if you want to reach your health and your fat loss goals. All right, let's talk about insulin here. This conversation about cortisol should remind you of something very important. If you feel like you're managing your blood sugar, you're following the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, you're limiting processed foods, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are doing what you need to do to manage your blood sugar, because if your cortisol is not in check, you're not. If your stress response is not in check, then you are not doing all you need to do to control insulin for health and for fat loss, right? Insulin is secreted by the pancreas in response to elevations in blood sugar. That can come from eating sugar in any form, right? It doesn't matter if it's a banana or it's a handful of pretzels or whatever. So we can elevate our blood sugar from eating sugar, from eating starch, from eating processed foods, from drinking alcohol, and from stress, the more sugar in the bloodstream, the more insulin the body puts forward to deal with it because insulin is the usher that takes the sugar in the blood and either delivers it to the cells for immediate fuel or takes it away for storage. This, this presence of insulin in the body puts your body into storage mode, which during the time that insulin is elevated prevents fat burning, which is why stress is so critically important. The two most effective things that we can do to burn more fat and increase our energy are control our blood sugar, right, insulin, and manage stress, period. Most of us will focus on exercising more or eating less. While those things aren't necessarily going to hurt, they are not the primary focus that we need when we want to burn fat and increase energy. We've got to control blood sugar so that we manage insulin, and we must, 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 must manage stress. From a strategy standpoint, I want to point to a few things that you can do here to achieve those two goals of controlling insulin and managing cortisol, okay? We wanna eat whole foods and limit processed foods. Eat whole foods and limit processed foods, but just because something is a whole food, whether it's an apple or a piece of fish or a potato, just because it is a whole food doesn't mean we can eat it in unlimited quantities. Because when we have the piece of fruit, when we have the potato, it does increase our blood sugar and therefore generate an insulin response. So whole foods are great for health and whole foods are great for fat loss, but we still have to make sure that we're eating in appropriate 
quantities. Just because something is healthy does not mean that we should just snack whenever we feel like eating. We have to pay attention to how much we are eating. It doesn't mean we need to count calories, but we do need to be paying attention to, am I even hungry? Do I need to eat? Didn't I eat just an hour ago and I've been sitting at my desk since then? I probably don't need more fuel in my body right now. When your goal is fat loss, or even if your goal is just energy and mood stability, I really encourage you to follow the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. Limiting your starches and your sugars, even when they're from whole foods, to the later meal of the day because it's going to drive a blood sugar response, and we see an exaggerated blood sugar response in the morning compared to later in the day. We really want, in, in a, as a means of controlling cortisol, we really want to keep an eye on inflammation. Inflammation, because inflammation creates a stress response in the body, and a stress response also drives inflammation. And there is a lot of food that we are eating that drives inflammation. And so sometimes when we eat these foods day in and day out, we are triggering inflammation and therefore triggering a stress response or a cortisol response in the body every single time we put our fork to our mouth. We see these inflammatory foods in things like crop oils, canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, in processed foods, trans fats, wheat, grains. All of these things increase inflammation in the body. And so we've got to make a concerted effort at dialing these back while increasing our consumption of anti-inflammatory foods like omega-3 fatty acids found in wild-caught fish like salmon or in grass-fed meat. Not grain-fed meat, but grass-fed meat because the omega-3s would be in the grass. Sleep. Again, so many people are focusing on the diet and exercise side, but you have to control cortisol, and sleep is a powerful way to do that. Now, sometimes your sleep won't improve until your cortisol does, but for some people, they can move sleep higher up on the priority list because not sleeping is a stressor on your body. It increases cortisol. Not sleeping enough increases your appetite. Not sleeping enough increases your cravings. And it increases insulin resistant. Meaning if you are not sleeping enough or you are not sleeping well, you cannot respond to insulin as efficiently as you would if you were rested. You've got to focus on this. Sleep is a big rock for most people. And the other one that goes largely ignored is stress management. If health is a priority for you, and especially if fat loss is a priority for you, you must, 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 this is a non-negotiable, you must work on your stress management techniques, period. If health is important or fat loss is important to you, I don't care how you do this, whether it's prayer, meditation, deep breathing, exercise, yoga, something. This is a big rock for just about everybody. One of the simplest and most effective stress management techniques in the world is gratitude. Actively, daily, beginning your day and ending your day with a practice of gratitude. Not just like, I'm grateful for my health, I'm grateful for my kids, I'm grateful for my spouse, but really thinking about something in that day for which you can be grateful. That is one of the powerful ways that we can decrease stress. But whatever it is for you, you've got to move this up higher on the priority list and it will positively impact your fat loss goals.
Another thing that we can do here in the attempt at improving our insulin response and improving our cortisol uh, levels in our body is working out. Okay, and you can do this at many different levels. The first simplest and very effective level is walking, moving more, just being more active, being more mobile, the common sense approach to just moving more and sitting less. The little things can make a big difference, whether it's a five minute walk every day or the cliche advice of parking further away from your job or your stores, make that a general rule or get up off the couch on commercials and walk in circles around the couch. This is a great way, especially when you aren't constantly like snacking and munching, to encourage your body to use up your glycogen stores. And the other thing is that scientists, Scientifically proven fact here, if you walk outside, in nature, in the fresh air, that helps to lower cortisol. Couldn't be easier, whether it's five minutes in the morning or 20 minutes at lunch, or you've got a couple hours to do it. Whatever it is, get up, get moving, and if you can get outside and take a walk, that's fantastic. It doesn't have to be a tracksuit, arm swinging, huff and puffing walk. In fact, I don't even recommend that. Just a chill move your body kind of walk, right? So that's level one. You can also do high intensity intervals, which makes people panic because intensity scares people, but they are very short and they do not have to be running. Do not count yourself out from this just because you're not a runner, you don't like to run, or you can't run. One of my favorite ways to do high intensity intervals is on the rowing machine, which is no impact, and these high intensity intervals are great for improving your body's responsiveness to insulin, great for burning up your glycogen stores, also great for helping restore your body's leptin sensitivity so your brain can respond to those messages from leptin and adjust your appetite and your metabolism accordingly. The third working out strategy would be weight training. Weight training improves your, improves your blood sugar metabolism and your insulin sensitivity, which we've talked about before, by the way that it increases both the number and the sensitivity of glucose transporters in your muscle tissue. But weight training also, like uh, high intensity interval training, improves any leptin resistance so that your fat cells and your brain can communicate more clearly. And it goes without saying that for many people, working out is a stress reduction technique, which is critically important. So what I want to really have you guys take away from this is that managing insulin is not just about what we put in our mouths. Managing insulin is about managing stress as well. You cannot overlook that. And part of the reason that we feel like our metabolism is a little bit slow, part of the reason that we feel like we can binge and not get sick, we can eat and eat and eat, is because of this leptin dysregulation, which we must improve our cortisol response and we must improve our insulin response. And because our hormones are an interconnected network, when we do that, we improve our leptin sensitivity. So this is so important. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit more about these hormones, about what we can do to help them work in our favor so that we can increase our energy, so that we can stabilize our mood, and so that we can burn fat faster with less overall effort. What I ate yesterday, 
Greek yogurt. I'm back on it after being on a ship for a while, and I, I had gone probably a month without it and a few days with it. I loved it. It was great, but it's time to go. I, I've shared with you guys before that uh, it just doesn't make me feel that great. I love the way it tastes, but it doesn't really work for me, I think, in large part. Even though I choose um, hormone-free yogurt from grass-fed cows, I, it just it doesn't work as well for me. I feel leaner and more energetic when I don't eat it, so I love the taste, but sorry, Greek yogurt. It's time to go. I've had you for a few days and I'm over it and my body's over it too. Um, so I had that in the morning with obviously all the coffee in the world and then I had a big salad. I'm on a salad kick right now I think because the weather is getting warmer and because they're so dang easy and if I don't have to cook I'm like super excited. Um, so I had a salad with avocado with a couple of slices of bacon and a piece of Atlantic cod and I drizzled, drizzled some extra virgin olive oil over the salad and then dinner was so easy. I literally put a bag of cauliflower rice. I emptied it into a glass bowl, put it in the microwave, uh, put some salt on it, had some leftover ground turkey and tomatoes. <laughs> and that was, that was it. It took like three minutes max. And it was delicious and easy and the way that I roll. So like I said, I'm going to be talking a lot more about hormones on the podcast, but even more so for everybody on the VIP list. So you can just go to primalpotential.com forward slash join and get on that that VIP list if you aren't there already so that we can uh, extend this conversation about the hormones at play in fat loss and what we can do so that they work in our favor. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great one. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.